Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. Little update for me. I have one more final to write, and then I'm done. My fall semester is done. Winter semester starts three weeks after my last final. Um, So I'm feeling really good. I'm a bit exhausted. Five classes was a lot to take on. I will be doing four classes next semester. Um, So that's just a little bit about me. I wanted to jump on and have a chat about exercise and our relationship with food and with exercise. If you've listened to the news lately, you may have heard of food labels and governments toying with the idea of putting exercise equivalents on food labels. So I pulled up an article from CNN and I want to read it to you uh, just a little bit to kind of set the stage for what I want to talk to you about So food labels detailing how much exercise is needed to burn off a product's calorie content could help to combat obesity, according to UK researchers. Physical activity, let me say that again. Physical activity calorie equivalent, or also known as PACE labels, could improve on labels that identify only calorie and nutrient content. Under the proposed system, A small bar of chocolate, for example, would carry a label informing consumers that it would take 23 minutes of running or 46 minutes of walking to burn off the 230 calories it contains. The large-scale application of PACE labels could, on average, cut calorie consumption by up to 200 calories per person per day, according to researchers, whose work is published in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health. There's more if you wanna, if you wanna look that up. I have a lot of mixed emotions when it comes to this pace calorie um, activity equivalent. You know, from coming from someone regardless of any education that I have from personal experience with exercise and my relationship with food and exercise, I am obviously not for this. I don't think it's a healthy way to look at food. I don't think it instills healthy values. I don't think it's good for the majority of people. Now, it was interesting. I brought this up to my sister and she had slightly different thoughts about it where she thought, you know, maybe this would be good to help people understand if you're going to choose this quote unquote unhealthy option, this is 
how much activity you would need to burn off whatever you're eating. But again, we come back to this fundamental issue that people have, and that is focusing on calories and input energy input and output. And I really do have to blame partly coming from this industry, the fitness industry, because now, you know, we're trying to have this healthier relationship with food. And thank God it's in the media more and more to have this healthy relationship with food. But this is so taking us in the opposite direction because it's taking the focus off being intuitive with food and enjoying food. And now we're right back to where we started before, calories in, calories out. And people, they all, people already have an unhealthy relationship with food. Most people, I'm going to wager to say, don't have the best relationship with food. And if they do, they've probably worked pretty hard to get there. So to view food in a sense of this is how much exercise I'm going to have to do to quote unquote burn this food off is really terrible. It's not setting a good example for young people, you know, children, teens who are already having issues with body image. This does not set a healthy message. From my own personal experience, I struggled with an eating disorder. I struggled with bulimia for about seven years. And when I got into exercise, you know, I had a really, I already had a really unhealthy relationship with food and with my body. And exercise was an outlet for me. And it was, it was good in a sense, but there was a lot of negatives about the way that I used exercise. And one of those negatives was I used it as a way to burn calories. Um, there's something called exercise bulimia. Now I was fully bulimic, but there is something called exercise bulimia in where people will go and exercise after they eat to quote unquote burn off these calories. And so you hear all the time. And I mean, exercise bulimia is a real thing and it's often swept under the rug. And I feel like it's almost welcomed in the fitness industry because you see all of these trainers. And again, I was immersed in this culture for years. You see all of these trainers and they eat quote unquote clean for the whole week. Then the weekend comes, they go out on their own binges, and then they use the rest of the following week to burn what they did over the weekend. This is a form of exercise bulimia. Exercise bulimia at, you know, its most prevalent is eating a meal and then going and walking or running or, you know, very people who are very aware of when they eat something, they have to go and exercise and move. And I have 
really battled against exercise bulimia for a long time. And that mentality of, I only deserve to eat food if I've exercised or if I move my body. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to my recent podcast about hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is extremely common in female uh, athletes and women that work out a lot. It's the loss of your period. So I'm currently dealing with hypothalamic amenorrhea or HA because I have overexercised and underfed myself. I didn't do this intentionally, although I do have to question if some of it was intentional because of this underlying belief that I only deserve to eat certain foods if I've moved my body. For example, um, you know, and I'm just going to be completely honest because if we can't be honest, we can never heal. When I, so the plan to overcome HA is to scale back your exercise, like to the point of almost cutting it out and to eat more and gain weight. Gaining weight is definitely a challenge mentally because we're in a culture where it's constantly about weight loss and obesity is quite prevalent. And so there are people that do need to lose weight, but there are a lot of people that don't need to lose weight. And we'll get to what weight you should be in a few minutes. But the gaining weight is one thing. The cutting back on exercise has opened up so many different areas in my life again because of the way that I've used exercise in the past and it's creeped its way back in. And so in in order to gain weight, I have to cut back exercise and eat more, but I still have this underlying belief that I don't deserve to eat these certain types of foods that are going to help me gain weight because I haven't moved my body. That is not a healthy mentality. If you have the mentality that I exercise so I can eat more, which I hear all the time, all the time, that is a very toxic mindset to have, not only with food, but with exercise. Exercise should be a celebration, a way in which we celebrate the fact that our body is able to move for us. Overcoming those extremely toxic mindsets we have about food, about energy balance, about exercise is not going to happen when it's in our face all the time that you need such and such minutes of activity in order to burn this amount of food. Furthermore, when it comes to calories, you know, there's so many better ways to measure food and we don't even really need to measure food. It's all about having a relationship with food where you don't need to measure things. Yes, it's good to be aware of how much you're eating 
but our body can help us to become more aware when we're more present with the food that we eat. However, intuitive eating is not for everyone all the time. There are certain times in our lives where we do need to eat more or we do need to be aware of what we're putting in our mouth and the repercussions for that. Not just for weight gain, but for someone like me, who now I need to gain weight, to actually track what I'm eating in a day is not that much. In my mind, it feels like enough, but it's not. And so to find out like, I'm probably at least 600 calories short a day that I'm gonna need to consume in order to get my period back, I, I needed to calculate that, right? So everyone is different. There's no one size fits all approach to eating. And exercise needs to reflect that as well. When it comes to being a certain weight, this is another thing that I wanted to bring up because I see posts on Instagram. And again, there are people that genuinely need to lose weight. I'm not saying that. But to have this goal weight, first of all, How do you know how much weight you're supposed to be? What are you measuring that against? What I find with most clients who want to lose weight is they want to be the same weight that they were when they were 18 years old. And they may be 45. We'll just throw that out there. That's not realistic, especially if you've had babies, you're coming into menopause maybe, That is not a realistic goal to have. And where did you even get that? Were you even healthy at that weight that you were at 18? Like, what are you measuring against what in order to determine how much weight you should be or to have this goal weight? Your body will find different set points for the energy level that you exert and how much you take in. So this is where, you know, calories do play a role in overall health. We need to consume enough of them for one thing in order for our body to function properly. And if we consume a whole heck of a lot more than we need, then chances are we're going to put on some weight. But it's not as simple as calories in, calories out, because it doesn't take into account different nutrients and the nutrient density of certain foods that might be higher in calories. For example, a cup of almonds compared to a chocolate bar. Maybe the chocolate bar doesn't have as much calories as a whole cup of almonds, but it's going to have a very different effect inside of the body than each other, right? So when looking at calories, we also, with, sorry, when looking at food, we also need to be aware of the nutrient density of each food that we're eating. When it comes to calories and burning, this is, you can't even really guesstimate how much calories each person burns because our systems are so different. We can kind of guess, maybe, but how healthy is your gut? That's going to affect how how you burn calories. How much exercise did you do? What's your age? What's your lean muscle mass? What's your gender? 
all of these things affect how much calories we burn. What was the soil like that the food was grown in? What, what's the season like? Like how much body heat are you generating? Are you really cold? Cause it's winter. Like there's so many different factors that come into this quote unquote burning calories that it's a very inaccurate way to measure what's going on inside of our body. So this leads me back to the beginning of the discussion, this whole activity, this pace labeling, I think it's a recipe for disaster. And I don't think that it's helpful. People know, people know that eating a chocolate bar or eating a bunch of deep fried food or foods high in sugar, people know that it's unhealthy to consume those foods in large quantities all the time. You don't need a label to tell someone, do you know how much exercise you're going to need to do if you choose to put this in your mouth? Chances are they're already aware that they're going to have to do a bunch of exercise to burn that off and they don't care. So by putting that on a label for the people, I just don't think it's going to help. I just don't think it's going to help. Now, the UK is saying that the current labeling system isn't helpful and they have a traffic light system. In Canada, we don't have that, but in the UK, they have a traffic light system of green, yellow, and red. So if a food is, for example, high in saturated fat, on the front of the label, it would have saturated fat in a little red circle. And say you got a bag of romaine lettuce, prepackaged romaine lettuce, it might have three green circles for you know various things, whether it's calories or sodium or, or fat or whatever. I actually don't mind that label. I don't mind that label at all because when you pick it up, you can see, oh, this has a red traffic light sign for the amount of sugar in it. Maybe it will cause someone to look on the label and say, mm, that's quite a bit of sugar or that's quite a bit of salt or that's quite a bit of fat. But again, like what if you're picking up something that's full of nuts and coconut oil and dates and, and it is high in sugar and fat, but the sugar and fat is coming from healthier sources, but it's giving this certain traffic light, like we have to just be more aware of the food that we're eating and be more educated with the types of food that we're eating as well. The activity label is not going to foster a healthy relationship with food. Calorie counting is not going to foster a healthy relationship with food. Setting a goal weight for yourself will not necessarily foster a healthy relationship with your body, with exercise, with food. And I think we need to be really honest with ourselves, especially if you are an avid exerciser. Do you use exercise in an unhealthy way? Are you using exercise as a way to burn off the food that you've eaten? Are you using it to allow yourself to eat more food? And you have to you have to really take a step back and ask yourself these questions. You know, coming from the fitness industry, 
I think some of the most unhealthy people that I've ever encountered when it comes to having a a healthy relationship with food and with exercise are personal trainers. And I know because I was one and I have to fight against that mentality even to this day, even getting out of being a personal trainer in a gym and trying to separate myself from that environment and doing my own thing and training people in my own way and helping them, it's very challenging to see. It's very challenging to go to a gym, which I still do. I still go to a gym. I love the gym. There's so many wonderful things about exercise and going to a gym, but there is a dark side to fitness as well if you have these unhealthy mentalities. So it's very challenging to go to a gym and to see trainers putting their clients on the waist scale and measuring their body fat and writing them nutrition plans when it's not any of their business to write them nutrition plans and setting out their macros. And I just like, it's horrible. It's, it's not professional. It's not within their scope of practice. They're not aware of the potential harm that they're causing to people emotionally. Um, They're not helping their clients foster a healthy relationship with their body and with their exercise. And I'm not saying all personal trainers do that. There are wonderful personal trainers who do not do those things, who definitely instill um, healthy values and ideas about food and exercise with their clients. But there's more that don't. There's a lot more that don't. There's a lot of unqualified personal trainers for one thing. And if you listen to my last podcast about exercise, one of the pitfalls is when trainers, and a red flag to watch out for is when trainers will give you programs that have worked for them. And I say worked very loosely because they might be ripped and cut and super strong, but it doesn't mean they're healthy doesn't mean they're healthy. For example, I lost my period. Well, people have been telling me I look great and oh, what are you doing? I'm not healthy right now. My body is not where it needs to be. So how we look isn't necessarily a reflection of what's going on inside and how healthy we really are. Being at an extremely low body fat percent for both men and women have consequences hormonally, for one thing, for both men and women. Uh, Are women meant to have, you know, shredded six packs? And I guess if you still get your period and, and nothing else is wrong hormonally, then maybe that's good for your body. But majority of women, when they get too low of a body fat percent, There are vital systems of their bodies that shut down. So it's very important to understand what true health really looks like and looking towards people that say they exemplify health or that they, you know, wave the banner for a healthy lifestyle, but mentally they don't have a healthy relationship towards food or their body or exercise, I feel like it's the blind leading the blind and we need to be aware of it. Extra aware in in the age that we live in 
with increased information and increased misinformation and a world where we're dominated by image-based platforms like social media. What we see is not always the reality of what's really going on. So do I think the pace labeling is helpful? Obviously not. I think I've made my argument pretty clear and my point pretty clear about that. Um, And are you following people or getting advice from someone who may even look healthy, but is not healthy mentally when it comes to food and exercise? And do you need to stop taking their advice so seriously? And just because they say they're a health professional doesn't necessarily mean they are and doesn't necessarily mean they know how to instill appropriate values for people when they don't even have healthy values towards themselves or towards their habits. So I think that's one thing to be really aware of. Um, The people we follow on social media, if they look healthy and they're instilling unhealthy relationships with food and with their body and exercise, I would not follow them anymore. Anyone who is all about getting to a really low body fat percent or very image focused or superficial, I, I would not follow them. And I've said this in so many podcasts and so many people have said this in so many podcasts. I feel like this is not new information at all, but I think we need to remind ourselves of what health really looks like. And a healthy relationship with food is one where we're honoring what our body is asking for. We're honoring it by feeding it healthy, nutritious foods that are going to build it up. But we also have balance. Like a healthy relationship with with food isn't just about eating clean food. And this notion of clean food and unclean food is not healthy. Food is neither good nor bad. It does not have a moralistic component. Food is just food. It's what we do with food and it's how we use food that either builds our body up or doesn't. And there has to be room for both. There has to be room for lots of room for super healthy foods that, you know, build our bodies up. But there has to be room for foods that bring us a little more pleasure, a little more pleasure for our soul that may not be as high in nutrients, maybe more calorie dense, and that's okay. I think there needs to be a combination of the two. And we need to get to a place where we're able to find that balance. And then with exercise, you know, what a healthy relationship with exercise looks at looks like is where we're moving our body because we genuinely want to take care of our body. Because the research is out there explaining the benefits of exercise and what it does to our, bar- our body when we don't exercise. And I've witnessed this firsthand Um, watching my grandfather decline when he was no longer mobile. I mean, if you're not moving, you're going downhill real quick. There's so many 
different ailments that accompany inactivity. And there's so many benefits that come with activity, but it's how we use that exercise. Moving our body should be an honor. It shouldn't be used as a form of punishment. It shouldn't be used as um, a, a way of allowing ourselves to eat more or eat certain foods. Movement should just be movement because we love our body and we want to take care of ourselves. So that's all I'm going to say about that today. If you haven't looked up the, the pace labeling thing on the news or online, have a look at it. And I would love to hear your feedback. And if you think it's a good idea, or if you think it's a not so good idea and any other questions that you might have, I'm always happy to help. All right, that's it for now, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.